Thank you very much, Will. Well, Jesus there reinforces the uh, message that James has been trying to hammer home. And do please turn to James. As Adrian said, we're in the second of our uh, series on uh, him. You will perhaps remember the series of advertisements in the 90s from the athletics company Nike. Just a big black screen and a message, just do it. And hanging over probably the whole of of James actually, but certainly over this passage, I want you to imagine that there is that uh, banner, just do it, only instead of the kind of Nike swoosh, let's put uh, a picture of a Bible. Uh, James may well have been the James who was known as the Lord Jesus' brother, and his field of operation was probably the poor Jewish Christians in Palestine. We know from the book of the Acts that they'd been scattered from their homes because of persecution. It looks like they were being deprived of land and property uh, by richer people from a Jewish background who were exploiting them. They were a desperately sad, almost pathetic bunch of people, and James is sorry for them. So it's all the more remarkable, therefore, that he doesn't just say, there, there, it's terribly difficult for you. I know how difficult it is. And that's worth remembering because at any given moment in a congregation, there will be those who are just longing for someone to say to them, there, there. It must be terribly difficult for you. But rather the challenge that James brings to them again and again is to say, you are looked upon and indeed you are poverty-stricken. Your circumstances really are as bad as you think. But that is no excuse for dropping standards. You follow the King of all, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he alone is to be your standard. He finds these people in the dust, does James, but he will not leave them there. He wants to raise them up. And he does it frustratingly for the preacher, by saying, and he keeps saying, oh, and another thing. Uh, That creates something of a problem. But every now and then he has uh, this sort of great big idea. And I think he's got one today. But before I open it up, I want to suggest something he's fighting against. Something that we may suffer from. It looks like they certainly did. I am a follower of the Lord Jesus. I am marching my way through life. And on that march, I am influenced as to the way to go. From over my right shoulder, I hear a heavenly angelic voice saying, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, And if I will only listen to that voice, I will tend to march in the right direction. But over my left shoulder is a much more sinister voice, tempting me to hostility, grimness, rage, impatience. With so much of the New Testament being uh, injunctions, urgings to right behaviour, 
it's easy for all of us to drop into that model. We march along, subject to the good and the bad angels, with little victories and little losses along the way. We may not feel it's right, but it is an account of how we feel. But I want you to look, please, in James, page 1213, at uh, verse 18. It's actually where we ended last week. It's one of those verses where good things are said. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. And we hear that. We hear that. And we hear words like birth, word, truth, first fruits created. That's a good verse. We like that verse. But uh, the next section is coming. And there's always that thing, isn't there, about sections that you sort of feel you want to get on to the next one. But verse 18 is actually explosive because it is James's version of the doctrine of being born again to a new creation. And the creation here is the one, not that we started with, but the creation that has come about in midlife as we have been born through the word of truth <clears throat> that has met us. And so we are a first fruits of all he created. And notice that. Doesn't say all he created new. In James's version of this, it's as though finally we, we've built up from the existing creation to the real thing now. Not new as just starting over. But there was a creation, yeah, right, there was a creation, but now we are the first fruits of all he created. We live from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation. And it's as though James is saying, no, start in Revelation and work back. The new creation is what these people, these poor people, were heading for, whether they knew it or not, and it has arrived with them through the word of truth. And so if that one common model is that we are in the middle, acted upon from uh, over our shoulder from these two spheres, a heavenly realm over one shoulder, a hellish realm over the other, then that verse is saying, no, that is wrong. You are not in the middle, acted upon. You have been transferred to the heavenly realm itself. That is now your proper sphere. So when in verse 25, James speaks of the law that gives freedom, he's addressing those who he reckons live in a different realm from those around them. The law they deal with is the law of the one whose yoke is easy and whose burden is light. And James constantly references Jesus in his letter. These people have escaped that drudgery because that model that we easily live with is just drudgery, isn't it? Right a bit, left a bit. Judge me at the end by whether I've kept to the right side of the Jewish code. These people are newborn in freedom. But as ever with Christian freedom in the New Testament, it is not the freedom of chaos 
Imagine the parts of your body, and imagine that they each have a mind of their own, and they are allowed freedom. Well, it might be that your spleen decides it will wobble that way, while your knee decides it will hop that way. It would no longer be a body. It would just be a collection of parts. But they'd be free. Of course, you wouldn't call it freedom. Because what makes it a body is its coherence in supporting your life. The law of freedom, this odd idea that James puts forward, how can you have a law and freedom in the same breath? What it is, is a description of what it means for us to fulfill life coherently in this new realm. And what I find remarkable is how strict James is with those with whom he has a pastoral relationship. He urges them to live according to what God has done in them by the word, namely to live by the word. And that works out in two ways, slow to anger and quick to listen. Verses 19 to 21. God is after a righteous new life for you in this new realm. And of course that's not going to be achieved by anger. When you're angry, you're running contrary to God's coherent life for you. Listen quickly, therefore, but speak only so uh, slowly and get angry so slowly that you never really do because the anger of God runs counter to God's will. Be slow to anger. And then in the rest of the chapter, be quick to obey. Verses 21 through to 27, just do it. The force of the mirror illustration works like this from verse 23. Anyone who listens to the word but doesn't do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. But even then, even though it's his own face he was born with, once he's gone... He forgets. But the man who stoops to look, that's the phrase, it's an odd phrase. We don't know whether it means catches a glance, oh hello, or whether it means I'm really looking down very closely. But, he, but the person who stoops to look at the law, that man is blessed. And the mirror is not an accidental illustration. Even an intense look at the face you were born with can be forgotten. But an obedience to the law you were newborn with will leave you blessed and leave you blessed as the real you. That's the point of the mirror. When you look into the law and obey it, you're seeing who you really are in this realm. Observe the real you. And one comment to finish with. 
After a look back to emphasize the use of the tongue there in verse 26, James opens the gate in verse 27. I don't know if you noticed it as Adrian was reading it. To all those uh, who want to say, and we know them, don't we? Who want to say, well, I don't know much about Jesus, but I am kind to orphans and widows, and I've left something to the dog's home in my will. He doesn't actually say that at all. But because it gets used like that, we have to deal with it and recognize how it's used. When he says uh, something about true religion, he says two things, not one. Yes, one is to look after orphans and widows, the poorest of the poor. And and much of what else he says in uh, James is going to cover that. But he also says something else. And so to our friend who thinks that being Christian is doing good things, we can simply ask, how's it going? Staying away from the pollution of the world? There are two worlds, two realms, and James is making the same point. Behave as those who belong not with a final outcome undecided. That's the two voices business. Which way am I going to end up? But as those who belong to one realm and stay unpolluted by the other one. It's a basic question. And if you are here this morning and you don't know the answer to that basic question, which do you belong to? Do you know yourself to be in that newborn realm? Then take that question to the prayer time afterwards. Observe closely what you really are because of the word of truth. Then, just do it. Because as the posters around us are saying at the moment, why wouldn't you?